Book Three, Chapter Six of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Six. An Author's Idea of Order not a bosom of the cleves party enjoyed much tranquillity this evening miss margland though to the baronet she would not recede from her first assertions strove vainly to palliate to herself the ill grace and evident dissatisfaction with which edgar had met the report to save her own credit however was always her primary consideration she resolved therefore to cast upon unfair play in camilla or upon the instability of edgar all the blame really due to her own undiscerning self-sufficiency indiana thought so little for herself that she adopted of course every opinion of miss margland yet the immovable coldness of edgar contrasted frequently in her remembrance by the fervour of melmond and macdersey became more and more distasteful to her and mrs albury's idea that she should be locked up in half a year made her look upon him alternately as something to shun or to overreach she even wished to refuse him but beech park the equipage the servants the bridal habiliment no she could enjoy those if not him and neither her own feelings nor the lessons of miss margland had taught her to look upon marriage in any nobler point of view but the person most deeply dissatisfied this evening was edgar he now saw that deceived by his own consciousness he had misunderstood mrs Nedham, who as well as mrs albury he was convinced concluded him engaged to indiana he had observed with concern the approving credulity of sir hugh and though glad to find his real plan and all his wishes unsuspected the false report excited his fears lest indiana should give it any credit and secretly hurt his delicacy for the honour of his taste all the influence of pecuniary motives to which he deemed camilla superior occurred to him in the very words of dr marchmont for indiana whose capacity he saw was as shallow as her person was beautiful yet the admiration with which she had already made her first appearance in the world might naturally induce her belief of his reported devotion if therefore his situation appeared to her to be eligible she had probably settled to accept him the most timid female delicacy was not more scrupulous than the manly honour to edgar to avoid this species of misapprehension and though perfectly confident his behaviour had been as irreproachable as it was undesigning the least idea of any self-delusion on the part of indiana seemed a call upon his integrity for the most unequivocal manifestation of his intentions yet any declaration by words with whatever care selected might be construed into an implication that he concluded the decision in his own hands and though he could scarcely doubt the fact he justly held nothing so offensive as the palpable presumption 
one only line of conduct appeared to him therefore unexceptionable which was folly to avoid her till the rumour sunk into its own nothingness this demanded from him a sacrifice the most painful that of retiring from cleves in utter ignorance of the sentiments of camilla yet it seemed the more necessary since he now with much uneasiness recollected many circumstances which his absorbed mind had hitherto suffered to pass unnoticed that led him to fear sir hugh himself and the whole party entertained the same notion he was shocked to consider camilla involved in such a deception though delighted by the idea he might perhaps owe to an explanation some marks of that preference for which dr marchmont had taught him to wait and which he now hoped might lie dormant from the persuasion of his engagement to clear this mistake was therefore every way essential as otherwise the very purity of her character must be in his disfavour still however the visit to the grove hung upon his mind and he resolved to investigate his cause the following morning before he made his retreat early the next day camilla sent to hasten the chaise which was to fetch mr tyrold and begged leave of her uncle to breakfast at edrington his assent was always ready and believing every evil would yield to absence she eagerly and even with happiness set off when the rest of the party assembled without her edgar surprised inquired if she were well miss margland answered yes but for the sake of what she loved best in the world a frolic she was gone in the chaise to etherington edgar could not prevail with himself to depart till he had spoken with her and privately deferred his purposed leave-taking till noon during this report sir hugh was anxiously engaged in some business he seemed to wish to conceal he spoke little but nodded frequently to himself with an air of approving his own ideas he summoned jacob to him repeatedly with whom he held various whispering conferences and desired miss margland who made the tea not to pour it out too fast as he was in no hurry to have breakfast over when nothing he could urge succeeded in making any of the company eat or drink anything more he pulled edgar by the sleeve and in an eager but low voice said my dear mr edgar i have a great favour to beg of you which is only that you will do something to divert dr orkborne i should be very happy sir cried edgar smiling but i much doubt my capability why my dear mr edgar it's only to keep him from finding out my new surprise till it's got ready and if you will but just spout out to him a bit or two of virgil and horace or some of those greek and latin language masters he'll be in no hurry to budge i promise you a request from sir hugh who with the most prompt alacrity met the wishes of every one was by edgar held to be indisputable he advanced therefore to dr orkborne who was feeling for his tablets which he commonly examined in his way up the stairs and started a doubt of which he begged an exposition upon a passage of virgil dr orkborne willingly stopped and displayed with no small satisfaction an erudition that did him nearly as much honour in the ears of the ignorant and admiring sir hugh 
as in those of the cultivated and well-judging Edgar. Ah, said the baronet, sighing, though addressing himself to no one, if I had but addicted myself to these studies in due season, I might have understood all this too, though now I can't for my life make out much sense of what they're talking of, nor a little neither, indeed, as to that, thanks to my own idleness, to which, however, I am not much obliged. Unfortunately, the discussion soon led to some points of comparison that demanded a review of various authors, and the doctor proposed adjourning to his own apartment. The baronet winked at Edgar, who would have changed the discourse, or himself have sought the books, or have been satisfied without them. But Dr. Orkborn was as eager here as in other matters he was slow and phlegmatic and regardless of all opposition was making off when sir hugh catching him by the arm exclaimed my good friend i beg it as a particular favour you won't stir a step not stir a step sir repeated the doctor amazed that is not to your own room not go to my own room sir the baronet gently begged him not to take it amiss and presently upon the appearance of jacob who entered with a significant smile, said he would keep him no longer. Dr. Orpon, to whom nothing was so irksome as a moment's detention from his books and papers, instantly departed, inviting Edgar to accompany him, but without troubling himself to inquire for what end he had been held back. When they were gone, Sir Hugh, rubbing his hand, said, well i think this good gentleman won't go about the country again with all his books fastened about him to shew he has nowhere to put them for as to his telling me he only took them to look at i'm not quite such an ignoramus with all my ignorance as to believe such a thing as that especially of a regular bred scholar a loud and angry sound of voices from above here interrupted the pleased harangue of the baronet miss margland opened the door to listen and with no small delight heard words scarce intelligible for rage breaking from dr orkborn whose anger while edgar was endeavouring to moderate jacob and mary were vociferously resenting sir hugh all astonished feared there was some mistake he had sent the preceding day as far as winchester for two bookcases which he had ordered should arrive early and be put up during the breakfast and he had directed mary to place upon the shelves with great care all the loose books and papers she found dispersed about the room as neatly as possible after which jacob was to give notice when all was arranged the words now if i must have my manuscripts rummaged at pleasure by every dunce in the house i would rather lie in the street distinctly caught their ears sir hugh was thunderstruck with amazement and disappointment but said nothing miss margland looked all spite and pleasure and eugenia all concern louder yet and with accents of increasing asperity the doctor next exclaimed a twelve months hard labour will not repair this mischief i should have been much more obliged to you if you had blown out my brains the baronet aghast cried 
lord help us i think i'd best go and get the shelves pulled down again what i have done not being meant to offend being what will cost me ten pounds and upwards he then though somewhat irresolute whether or not to proceed moved towards the foot of the stairs but there a new storm of rage startled him i wish you had been all of you annihilated ere ever you had entered my room i had rather have lost my ears than that manuscript i wish with all my heart you had been at the bottom of the sea every one of you before you had touched it if you won't believe me it can't be helped said mary but if i was to tell it you over and over i've done nothing to no mortal thing i only just swept the room after the carpenter was gone for it was all in such a pickle it was a shame to be seen you have ruined me cried he you have swept it behind the fire i make not a moment's doubt and i had rather you had given me a bowl of poison you can make me no reparation it was a clue to the whole section well i won't make no more words about it said mary angrily but i'm sure i never so much as touched it with a pair of tongs for i never see it nor i don't so much as know it if i do why it's a piece of paper written all over look just such another as this i left it on the table by this corner oh that cried mary yes i remember that well where is it what have you done with it why i happened of a little accident about that for as i was a sweeping under the table the broom knocked the ink down but by good luck it only fell upon that little morsel of paper little morsel of paper it's more precious than a whole library but what did you do with it what is become of it whatever condition it is in if you have but saved it where is it i say why it was all over ink and good for nothing so i did not think of your missing it so i throwed it behind the fire i wish you had been thrown there yourself with all my heart but if ever you bring a broom into my room again why i did nothing but what my master ordered or if ever you touch a paper or a book of mine again my master said himself your master's a blockhead and you are another go away i say mary now hurried out of the room enraged for her master and frightened for herself and edgar not aware sir hugh was within hearing soon succeeded in calming the doctor by mildly listening to his lamentations sir hugh extremely shocked sat upon the stairs to recover himself miss margland who never felt so virtuous and never so elated as when witnessing the imperfections or improprieties of others discounted largely against ingratitude treating an unmeaning sally of passion as a serious mark of turpitude but eugenia ashamed for dr orpon to whom as her preceptor she felt a constant disposition to be partial determined to endeavour to induce him to make some apology she glided therefore past her uncle and tapped at the doctor's door 
mary seeing her master so invitingly in her way could by no means resist her desire of appeal and complaint and descending the stairs begged his honour to hear her mary said he rising and returning to the parlour you need not tell me a word for i have heard it all myself by which it may be truly said listeners never hear good of themselves so i've got the proper punishment for which reason i hope you won't look upon it as an example i am sure sir said mary if your honour can excuse his speaking so disrespectful it's what nobody else can and if it was not for thinking as his head's got a crack in it there is not a servant among us as would not affront him for it the baronet interrupted her with a serious lecture upon the civilities he expected for all his guests and she promised to restrain her wrath but only sir she continued if your honour had seen the bit of paper as he made such a noise at me for your honour would not have believed it not a soul could have read it my tom would have been well licked if he'd wrote no better at school and as to his being a twelvemonth a scrawling such another i'll no more believe it than i'll fly it's as great a fib as ever was told sir hugh begged her to be quiet and to think no more of the matter no your honour i hope i'm not a person as bears malice only i could not but speak of it because he behaves more comical every day i thought he'd have beat me over and over and as to the stories he tells about them little bits of paper mortal patience can't bear it no longer the remonstrance of eugenia took immediate effect dr orkon shocked and alarmed at the expression which had escaped him protested himself willing to make the humblest reparation and truly declared he had been so greatly disturbed by the loss he had just sustained that he not merely did not mean but did not know what he had said edgar was the bearer of his apology which sir hugh accepted with his usual good humour his calling me a blockhead cried he is a thing i have no right to resent because i take it for granted he would not have said it if he had not thought it and a man's thoughts are his castle and ought to be free edgar repeated the protestation that he had been hurried on by passion and spoke without meaning why then my dear mr edgar i must fairly own i don't see the great superiorness of learning if it can't keep a man's temper out of a passion however say nothing of the sort to poor clermont upon his coming over who i expect won't speak one word in ten i shall understand which however as it's all been done for the best i would not have the poor boy discouraged in he then sent a kind message by edgar to dr orkborn desiring him not to mind such a trifle the conciliating office was congenial to the disposition of edgar and softened his impatience for the return of camilla but when soon after a note arrived from mr tyrrell requesting sir hugh to dispense with seeing him till the next day and apologizing for keeping his daughter he felt equally disappointed and provoked though he determined not to delay any longer his departure he gave orders therefore for his horses immediately and with all the less regret for knowing camilla no longer in the circle he was to quit 
the ladies were in the parlor with sir hugh who was sorrowfully brooding over his brother's note when he entered it to take leave addressing himself somewhat rapidly to the baronet he told him he was under an unpleasant necessity to relinquish some days of the month's sojourn intended for him he made acknowledgments full of regard for his kindness and hospitality and then only bowing to the ladies left the room before the astonished sir hugh comprehended he was going well cried miss margland this is curious indeed he has flown off from everything without even an apology i hope he's not really gone said eugenia walking to the window i'm sure i don't care what he does cried indiana he's welcome to go or to stay i'm grown quite sick of him for my part gone said sir hugh recovering breath it's impossible why he never has said one word to me of the day nor the settlements nor all those things he then rang the bell and sent to desire mr mandelbert might be called immediately edgar who was mounting his horse obeyed with some chagrin as soon as he re-entered the room sir hugh cried my dear mr young edgar it's something amazing to me you should think of going away without coming to an explanation an explanation sir yes don't you know what i mean not in the least sir cried edgar staggered by a doubt whether he suspected what he felt for camilla or referred to what was reported of indiana why then my pretty dear said sir hugh to indiana you won't object i hope to taking a little walk in the garden provided it is not disagreeable to you for you had better not hear what we are going to talk about before your face indiana pouting her beautiful underlip and scornfully passing edgar complied eugenia accompanied her but miss margland kept her ground sir hugh always unwilling to make any attack and at a loss how to begin simply said why i thought mr mandelbert you would stay with us till next year edgar only bowed why then suppose you do most probably sir i shall by that time be upon the continent if some particular circumstance does not occur i propose shortly making the tour of europe sir hugh now lost all guard and restraint and with undisguised displeasure exclaimed so here's just the second part of clermont at the moment i sent for him home thinking he would come to put the finish to all my cares about eugenia he sends me word he must travel and though the poor girl took it very well from knowing nothing of the matter i can't say i take it very kind of you mr young edgar to come and do just the same by indiana the surprise of edgar was unspeakable that sir hugh should wish the relation of jacob with respect to indiana confirmed he could not wonder but that his wishes should have amounted to expectations and that he should deem his niece ill-used by their failure gave him the most poignant astonishment miss margland taking advantage of his silence consternation began now to pour forth very volubly the most pointed reflections upon the injury done to young ladies by reports of his nature which were always sure to keep off all other offers there was no end she said 
to the admirers who had deserted indiana in despair and she questioned if she would ever have any more from the general belief of her being actually pre-engaged edgar whose sense of honor was tenaciously delicate heard her with a mixture of concern for indiana and indignation against herself that kept her long uninterrupted for though burning to assert the integrity of his conduct the fear of uttering a word that might be offensive to indiana embarrassed and checked him sir hugh who in seeing him overpowered concluded he was relenting now kindly took his hand and said my dear mr mandelbert if you are sorry for what you were intending of going away and leaving us all in the lurch why you shall never hear a word more about it for i will make friends for you with indiana and beg of miss margland that she'll do us the favor to say no more edgar affectionately pressing the hand of the baronet uttered the warmest expressions of personal regard and protested he should always think it an honor to have been held worthy of pretending to be any alliance in his family but he knew not how the present mistake had been made or report had arisen he could boast of no partiality from miss lindmere nor had he ever addressed her with any particular views yet as it was the opinion of miss margland that the rumour however false might prevent the approach of some deserving object he now finally determined to become for a while a stranger at cleves however painful such self-denial must prove he then precipitately left the room and in five minutes had galloped out of the park the rest of the morning was spent by sir hugh in the utmost discomposure and by miss margland in alternate abuse of camilla and of edgar while indiana passed from a piqued and short disappointment to the consolatory idea that melmond might now reappear edgar rode straight to beech park where he busied himself the whole day in viewing alterations and improvements but where nothing answered his expectations since camilla had disappointed them that sunbeam which had gilded the place to his eyes was now overclouded and the first possession of his own domain was his first day of discontent end of chapter six read by lars rolander